This is where our story begins, and this is where we determine, have you been forsaken to the will of the dice? Greetings, Earthbound Travelers. It is Sunday night. It is time for Strangers in a Stranger Land, presented by Will of the Dice. I am your guide this evening, Tear of the DM. I am proud to be the world's OKS DM. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on Twitter at tear the, un, tear underscore the underscore DM. Tonight is going to be a little different. Uh... After reviewing and contemplating, I have decided to retcon the last two episodes. So they did not happen. Tonight is basically the first episode of Strangers in a Stranger Land. So we will make our announcements, our introductions, and revisit Istrazillion. Uh, before we begin, a few things. One, we are for mature audiences. Your discretion is advised. Two, Alice. Hi, everyone. We at Will of the Dice do not encourage the use of nicotine products such as cigarettes, cigars, and vaping. Though some of us may be users of such products, do as we say, not as we do. Nicotine is a harmful and addictive substance, and we want all of you out there to be happy and healthy. If you are trying to quit or looking to quit, there are resources out there, and we support you in that endeavor. Thank you. Locke. Hi, gamers. I'm Locke Clark, and I'm going to take a moment and talk to you about our musicians. Those lovely and talented people who provide music for the show. They make our experience better and your experience and your experience better, and they heighten the whole thing. So tonight our musicians are Michael Gelfie, Jeff Farber, Dwergar, and our very own Patrick Taylor. Thanks, Peculiar Patrick. You're on that side. There we go. Actually, it's Kevin McLeod, not Michael Gelfie. Sorry, sorry. It's okay. I've been away for a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, we've been we've been off. Things get <laughs> Fucked up when we take I forget breaks. which one we we're, we're not we're using and which one we're not. Yeah. Um, oh, and hey guys, just a just a little little me and you bring it in, bring it in. You know we have a merch store on our website. You can buy shirts with character art on them and stuff. You should go check that shit out. Willowdice.com. Do it. Also, just to give you plenty of heads up, November third, fourth, and fifth, we will not be streaming. We will be at AcadaCon here in Dayton, Ohio. Hopefully. It all depends on my back if I get to go, so. Uh, let's, uh, let's see, is there any more announcements? Peace. Oh yeah, Patrick, Patreon. This program has been made possible by contributions to our Patreon from viewers like you. Thank you. Should you enjoy, should you enjoy our content and continue to enjoy our content and wish to contribute to our Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash W-O-T dice. 
There you will find more content, such as After the Rolls, a show where we talk about the current seasons of shows that are currently being shown through the Will of the Dice programming. And we have monthly merchandise drawings for our subscribers. Also, for the next 16 subscribers, uh, we have partnered with Red Panda Dyson Delights. Uh, you get a 55-millimeter table shaker from Dungeon, uh, Red Panda Dyson Delights. They are beautiful. They are big. They are chunky. They allow you to roll with authority. So, yeah, you want one of them. Also, let me get serious for a moment. We say on this show all the time that we want to be torchbearers, that love and inclusion are the torches that light a path to a better tomorrow. Well, we know someone that is in dire need. They are wheelchair-bound and had split the cost of living with their mother who unexpectedly passed away. Uh, They have a GoFundMe. Now, we know that not everybody is in a position to donate monetarily, but you can get on the social medias and share it. Uh, uh, you can go to https colon slash slash gofund.me slash 620 B as in Bravo, E as an Echo 091. Uh, if you can help, awesome. If you can, at least share it. Let's spread some love. What was you going to say, Locke? Um, oh, well, you know, there's one more thing. And that's what's happening tomorrow night. You see, folks, we had, we had a lot of people join our, our humble stream here and download episodes. Since August 18th, we've had more than 4,000 downloads. So, to celebrate us hitting 4,000 in less than a month, um... We're going to do a thing tomorrow night. I'm going to eat the one ship challenge. And with only the snacks available that I usually have at my desk while I'm playing, I will suffer through the hotness of this chip while I try to play D&D as my himbo dwarf. But to up the ante even more, I also have the last dab Apollo hot sauce from Hot Ones. And I'm going to put a dab of that on that chip before I eat it. And you can tune in to watch me suffer. So please join us tomorrow night and watch me be in pain while I try to play a himbo dwarf barbarian. It will fuel my rage. And in solidarity of Locke, uh, solidarity of Locke doing this, I have a Carolina Reaper hot sauce of which I will be taking a dab of before we start the game as well. Y'all crazy. Yep. Just saying. All right, let's do introductions. Hi, everyone. I'm Kendall the Human. You can find me on Twitter at Kendall's Dumb. I am a he him, and tonight I am playing Weave, also a he him. Oh, it's me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Christina. I'm playing um, Sid Ungui, uh, and I am a she, her, Sid is a he, him, and you can find me on Twitter at Diamorskaskula. Hey, everybody. I'm Ren Matley, she, her. Tonight, I'm going to be playing Ray Laurie, also she, her, and you can find me over on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it at 
Ren underscore Mally. Hi, everyone. I'm Alice, the voice of Quinn. And you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Cap'n Cupcake. Hi, gamers. I remain Locke Clark, and uh, tonight I will be playing Merp Von Merpington. I am a he, him. Merp is a he, they. And you can find uh, both of us on the social medias at Locke Unruly. That's Locke with an H. Hello, everyone. It's me, Patrick. A he, they playing Aldoon Farthweather. A he, him. And you can find me on Twitter at Peculiar Patrick. All right. Uh, hello, Rudolph Movo. Just for you, I shaved. Uh, so, are there any last requests before we get started? Not the face. Not the features that I haven't described yet. <laughs> oh, I gotta adjust the volume of the music box. It's really loud to me. Oh, because it's set to 200%. That's probably why. Ah, uh, wouldn't be Will of Dice without Tech Gremlins. Yay, Tech Gremlins. So for those of you that sat through this before, I apologize, but I'm doing this completely from scratch again. Welcome to Runeth Kesha. This is a world of magic and mystery where God and monster alike roam among the mortals attempting to force their will on the writing of history. On its surface, five continents are populated by diverse races and cultures. Some wanting to live in peace, others seeking riches and adventures, and the power-hungry vying for domination and control. The year is 1374, the second counting. It has been a mere five years since the Dark Towers rose from their slumber and destroyed the ha half of the continent of Morton's Deep along with the kingdom of Taladagarios. This apocalyptic event forever changing the landscape and the mentality of the world. What few survivors were thrown to the mercy of the fates? Some were able to take up lives in other places, such as uh, Port Bloodgut, the southern tip of Morton Deep. But others were just left out to the cold. That is, until a brave paladin by the name of Shariz offered them sanctuary among the people of Istrazillion. The council, weighing heavily, Shariz's argument decided to give part of the northern lands to the Minotaur King. The once split kingdom of the Minotaur reunified and formed new Caledagarios under the rulership of Tarius Frostwing and his family. The time was peaceful for a while, but everyone knows in Runeth Kesha. Peace lasts only so long. The kingdom of New Taladagarios became the blame of superstition as the storm that once kept visitors from entering or leaving Istrasilion returned. This storm had been sent away by the heroes of another tale, and yet it returned. The population overload in Istrasilian 
too much for the agriculture to handle and the land began to die. As is always the way of things, war broke out. It lasted for about a year. It was bloody. It was damning. And it tore deeper the rift between Istrazilian and Nutaladagarios. But slowly, through care and nurturing, that rift was healed. And the thought no longer became who to blame, but how to resolve the issue. They knew that the temples of the primordials should hold the answer, or maybe directions to the answer. So they formed workforces of volunteers, individuals that would be treated like kings and queens as all of their wants and needs would be provided while they were on furlough. And while they worked, their conditions would be tolerable. The group of you are individuals from one such work gang. You have come to furlough in the home of one Ichabod, the uncle of Sid the Bard. Ichabod, a man of tall tale and outrageous story, who often goes into diatribe about how he helped save the world on so many occasions, seeming a bit harmless welcomes you all and the coin that you would use for board and shelter is used for libation or perhaps even saved this my friends is where our story will begin in the home of one Ichabod with you on furlough and this is where we discover have you been forsaken to the will of the, the dice I can't talk tonight huh Where's my reset button? I will turn me off and turn me back on again. We start in the main quarters, the living room area, as it were. A fire going in the beautiful hearth. A kettle of thick stew bubbling as the summer sultry heat penetrates all areas of the world. We will start with Sid. Please describe Sid and what they are doing. Um, Sid is lounging in front of the like fire fireplace where the food's cooking. Um, Sid is three foot six if you count the tip of his tail, like the tip of his ears to the tip of his tail. Um, he is like 30 pound little ball of black fur, but he thinks he is the shit. So whenever he's not working, he's all snazzily dressed and strutting around like he he is it. What race is Sid? Oh, Sid is a tabaxi. Thank you. Sorry. As you lounge there, Sid, Ichabod is on another one of his stories talking about the great tower of Elden Ra, a name that is familiar to every individual of the jungle island is Trazillian. Elden Ra, supposedly the greatest wizard to ever live, 
who had a tower of gold, a library uncomparable. His power was so great that he went into exile so that he would not bring the land to ruin. Ichabod finishes his diatribe, lights his pipe, sits into his rocking chair, rocking, and begins looking at each of you. Let's see who the dice picks. His eyes falling on Merp. Describe Merp and tell us who and what Merp is. Uh, Merp is, uh, as I said before, a he-they. Merp is uh, an ardling, uh, which means uh, they are an animal-like creature of some sort of celestial descent. Uh, Merp is a cat-like being um, with uh what our society would describe as russian blue or uh, yeah russian blue uh it's a very uh, silvery bluish gray fur um bright blue eyes um they are five foot ten with uh they're young and they weigh about 150 pounds uh, very lithe and and dexterous looking um, and they are wearing uh, garish colors uh, all purples and bright orange and yellows um, as they lounge back uh, listening to to the tale uh, while making notes in their journal You know, I kept many a journal in my youth, Ichabod will begin speaking to the young Merp. I wished I knew where they were. I uh, left them hither and yon. I'm sure some are in some temples and some castles. I, I think I loaned a wizard one so that he could find the facts of one of my adventures. It's a good thing to keep a journal. Yay. Very good. His gaze will then fall to Reeve. Okay, Reeve is a very tall, uh, going on seven foot, uh, black and red minotaur. So, uh, looks like there's could be some fire genasi genes somewhere back in the family, but not really too prominent. Very demonic looking if he had an angry face on, but he is very placid, very wide-eyed. <clears throat> Currently sitting crisscross on the ground and uh, practicing writing in giant runes in a piece of parchment in front of him. What, uh, what you writing, Reeve? Oh, it's, um... It, uh, it's, um, I was attempting giant poetry, but I was rhyming in common and writing in giant, so uh, I have to start again. 
you know, the bardic spirit is a beautiful thing. He will nod to Sid and to Aldun. Bards make the world go round. Yeah, and giants are cool. They're really big. I like them. Uh, they're friendly if you know how to talk to them. Dated a giant once. Was a uh, an experience, a test of bravery, if you will. What what kind? Fire giant, stone giant, hill giant, storm, storm giant. giant. I have so many questions, but they're not appropriate for a room full of people. Perhaps we'll talk later. His eyes will then fall to Rilari. You've been awful quiet tonight. Uh, looking over at Rilari, she is about five foot five, though she's seated at the moment. She's got very long, black, wavy hair, slightly glimmery or shimmery, uh, pale blue skin, deep blue eyes. She's got a very curvy but slender build. She's wearing a green crisscross wrap top, exposed midriff, and a black skirt that comes, that falls, you know, just below the knee and hangs on her hips with knee-high black boots. She's probably sitting in the chair just combing her hair, watching Reeve write, and listening to the stories. Well, you know, sometimes it's best to save one's voice. You are very familiar, yet a mystery at the same time. I like it. If I was a younger man... Oh, darling, trust me. I'm too much of a challenge for most. You know, that's what the, the uh, storm giant said. But we won't go into that. He will then look to Aldun. Play us a tune, Aldun. Aldun uh, will kind of snuff out his pipe as he's been kind of sitting in a chair, uh, but his leg has been jumping the whole time. Uh, he puts out his pipe and uh, stows it away and gets out of his bag a shawm. What does Aldun look like? I uh, was getting there. I was getting there. He's going to put okay. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll put it to his um, dragonborn, green dragonborn lips uh, and begin to play a little tune. Aldun uh, will be taken at some point in the music and stand to his full height of six feet, uh, showing off his kind of yellow eyes. Uh, he's kind of skinnier for a dragonborn only like 180 pounds uh he wears a maroon shirt and vest uh with brown pants that are kind of just just below the knee uh and he has white horns that go back to the top of his head uh and he starts just playing a tune 
Give us a performance check. And does Sid join in? Sid's going to wait to see what um, <clears throat> what song Eldoon's playing, but is immediately going to be, like, reaching for his, um, his bird pipes. Because he's either going to play along or he's going to mess with them and do, like, a competing. He's going to wait and see what song Eldoon's playing first, though. All right. What was your performance check, Eldoon? That's an 18. It is a beautiful song, lively, up-tempoed. Yeah, then um, Sid's going to try to do like like a round version, like start a couple of beats later with the same. Give us a performance check. <laughs> The dice hate me. That's 12. <laughs> Ichabod will make a momentary face of strain as the music clashes together, but will then conceal it with a smile and clap along, nodding to both of you. As the music comes to an end, he will smile and his gaze will fall on Quinn. So Quinn is also an Ardling, but is not a cat. Quinn is a coyote Ardling. So just think anthropomorphized coyote, and that's her. She's wearing comfortable, clean, but fairly common clothing. A nice white shirt that's white, white. Uh, brown pants that are almost orange. She has a uh, a patch of white that goes from the underside of her muzzle all the way down her chest. And she would be practicing card tricks. It is a lovely, if somewhat hot and sultry, evening at Ichabod's. Stew will be served to each of you. Ichabod, if nothing, is a wonderful cook. The food almost having a magical quality to it. Its taste seeming to be just perfect to all those that eat it. He will make sure Reeve has a large flagon of milk. Ale and wine will be made available to the rest. He will snuff out his pipe. Stretch. These old bones can't go as long as they used to. And make his way upstairs, bidding each of you good night. You are left alone to do as you would please, so please interact. It is quite kind of your uncle to allow us to stay here when we visit town. He gets lonely and likes to tell his tales. I don't know how many of them are true. You know, like the uh, performance gene runs in the family. It's all right. It's just nice to hear something other than the complaining of the work crews. 
Or the old fishermen going on about their fish stories. Jay, Smirkot 1v speak. He's lie. Murp not fish. But Murp's arms are kind of small, so that didn't look too big to me. It was big for Murp. Doom just chuckles at the comments and relays his pipe and goes sits in the living room near the fire. I will move forward as time does. The inevitable. Sleep will soon start knocking for you all. Sid having a room upstairs as this is her uncle's small but homey estate. The rest of you tend to make use of furniture or pallets on the floor. How will you sleep this evening? Quinn is claiming a couch. Reeves curling up on the floor. Aldrin will fall asleep in the chair that he's smoking in. Yeah, Murp will also sleep in the chair there, and after turning around it a couple times and then sitting. Sid will look at Rilari and say, you, you know you're welcome to my bed. I don't take up much space, so you can have the room. I'm fine down here. It's quite all right. I don't mind sleeping here. I thought you might like some privacy was all. She's going to like kind of kick her legs over the arm of the chair and lean back into it. So she's got like her, her head on one of the arms and her legs over the other. Just settle in. Hey, if Sid notices everybody's tucked in, he'll slink upstairs. I need everyone to please give me an intelligence check. That's a six for Reeve. Okay, starting from Reeve, we'll work our way backwards. Sid? That's a whopping three. Where are my real dice? Rilari? Or Rilari? Eleven. Quinn? Fourteen. Merp? Dirty twenty. And Aldoon? Three. The bard's in sync, huh? One second. It's okay. We share like two brain cells, and neither of us had it that time. <laughs> I need everyone but Merp to earmuff. Merp, you are startled awake with a hand over your mouth. It is Ichabod holding his fingers to his lips, motioning for you to be silent. 
or nods slightly beneath the hand. He will lean down. I have to leave. They know where I am. Mind the fireplace. And we'll jet towards the door carrying two suitcases. We stay. Mark does not know who we stay. looks over at the fireplace and is like to see if the fireplace needs to be tended. Is there a fire still going? There is a fire still going. Merp will slip off the, the chair and and pad to the door to look out and try and catch a glance at which way Ichabod is going. There is no glance. It's as if he just vanished into the darkness of night. Merp, then being careful, closes the door, locks the door, slips back up, trying not to wake anyone, slips upstairs, and goes to Sid's room. Okay. I'm going to bring everyone back now. Merp, you give me a stealth check, please. Ooh, um, that's that's a nine. As you go to stealth from the door, you step on Reeves' hand, tripping, falling forward almost into Rolari's lap. Ow! Pardon, pardon, Mar- Mar- sorry. Pardon. I don't... So sorry. Are you? Sorry. <laughs> Is that way, Gray Laurie? Oh, let me roll for it. No. Merp carefully gets up and then continues to go upstairs. You find the door to Sid's room? Um, I'm going to open the door very slowly. Just sort of sticking my head in and whisper, Sid. Sid. Huh? Mm. Quiet. Wait. will slip in and close the door behind him. Seed, I don't know what to do. Oh, Merp, I like you, but not like that. No, 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 no. Um, uh, your uncle, uh, Jess, he, um, uh, he packed two bags. He left. What? He- he, he told me to shush, and he left. He said, they know where I am, and told me to mind the fireplace. Whatever the fuck that means. His fire is burning. It's in the fireplace. I don't know. Oh, so, uh, Sid is gonna do the whole, like, cat scratch, or cat stretch, you know, back up. Ooh, big stretch. Okay, um, let me see. Okay. He's gonna, like, throw something on so he has clothes on and, and go out the door to go check his uncle's room. The room looks as if it had been ransacked. Oh. In a moment, you will realize that it was just your uncle quickly packing. There is a folded piece of parchment laying on the bed. Sid's going to pick it up. Do you speak? You can't. I don't. 
It seems like just a bunch of gibberish. Orange garbage, sweet potato pie. Oh, oh, this is just his grocery list. And Sid's going to put it in his pocket and, and walk downstairs. <laughs> and garbage on the grocery list? <laughs> it's Merkel obviously cat misspelled, but... Ichabod's dyslexic? <laughs> Lampshade TV VCR. Microwave oven. Right. So Sid's, Sid's going to go down the stairs, not trying to be quiet, and just walk to the, the, the front door and like open it and look out. You will see a shadow fleeting, vanishing before your eyes. Hmm. Oh. Is, is everything it's, it's, okay? Uh, oh, good. You're up. Um, are are you any good at following people? Um, what have you heard? No, no. Uncle Ichabod just left. He's a little wily. I just, you know, like I don't want to go wandering around in the dark unless I have to. If you were good uh. at it, I figured I'd ask you. I can see in the dark for a little bit. I can go out and have a look if that's what you want. Yes, please. I'm, uh, I'm going to look around to see if there's anything. Wait, he left? Yeah, apparently. But I wrote him a poem. He packed oh. two bags. Oh, oh, he wrote you one too. And Sid's going to take the list out of his pocket and hand it to Reef. <laughs> and then go... Go look by the, the fireplace to see if he notices anything askew. I don't get it, but then again, I'm not very smart. And I just, he just leaves it on, like, if there's a coffee table sort of thing in the area. And then puts his own poem next to it. Uh, I assume, because I've just been asleep, I'm not in my armor. But if it's potentially cold outside, I will get my cloak, which is the uncommon item we're allowed, which is a cloak of protection. To keep me warm. Istrazilian uh, is a tropical climate. It is hotter than hell with the blowers on. I will not put the cloak on. I am heading out, Armalus, to look for Ichabod in the dark. All right. Give me an investigation check. You too, Sid, since you are investigating the fireplace. Fireplace. Would this commotion wake anybody else up? At this point, I will leave that up to those of you that are still in slumber. Yeah. Sid is not Re being quiet. Reeve was awake because someone stepped on his wrist earlier. Uh, and I got a 16 on investigation. I got a 21. All right. You find no traces. Hmm. Sid, you find something that you've never noticed about this fireplace before. It is a beautiful work of art. On the left column is a satyr playing the pipes, dancing, other fanciful creatures clapping along. On the other side is a demon 
stoking fire. Sid's gonna like stroke his hand along like the satyrs and the the people clapping along. The satyr smiles. Uh, you find that there is a hidden compartment. that before open it you cannot what's what's going on Uncle Ichabod left in the middle of the night and he trashed his room and left a strange poem for Reeve and now there's a there's a compartment here but I can't get it I never noticed it before and he's going to be trying to like poke at it with his nail It is so finely crafted that your nail cannot penetrate the gap. When we'll perk up at the mention of a hidden compartment, we'll shoot up from the couch and rush over to take a look. Give me an investigation check. Does Quinn get help since, like, Sid's trying to poke at it, like, so he's in the area? Sure, I'll give you help. You may take that with advantage. That is an 11. It is finely crafted. You can tell there is a compartment there, but it is so well made that you couldn't even get your thieves tools into it. What on earth are all of you doing and why are you making so much noise? It's my fault. It's always my fault. Well, you woke everybody up. I, because Ichabod left very quickly. said they know where he is. They know where he is. They know where we is. I do not like. Wait, what do you mean Ichabod left? And who are they? That is my question. I do not know. Oh, probably the Storm Giant's husband. Who knows? There's something here. It's... <clears throat> He's getting frustrated now because, like, it won't open. And no, there's something. Wait, where is Reeve? Oh, he's chasing Uncle Ichabod. Ichabod! You sent him outside. Hello! Right Did you get lost? Oh, he's he's big and looming and... Yes! Oh, good gracious. Raylari's gonna get up and go look for Reeve. <laughs> Reeve, give me a survival check. Survival's basically all I do. Uh, 14. You do not get lost and realize that there is no sign of Uncle Ichabod and again making your way back to the, the, the small house. You'll probably bump into Raylari just past the porch. Ah! There you are. I can't believe they sent you out here by yourself. But why not? I'm, I'm good at looking for things. Because something is going on, and we don't know if there's someone else out here. You shouldn't be alone in case something happens. I did not consider that. But better it happened to me than anyone else. But yes, maybe let's go inside where it's maybe safe. Come along, dear. No, I'm a minotaur. 
Yes, darling, I know you're a minotaur. Quinn is going to get frustrated with the with the secret compartment and and decide to look at the poem that was written for Reeve just to see if it'll get a laugh out of her. It is Thieves Can't. She can't it read is, it. It is the number 792. This isn't a poem. Oh, so so it is a grocery list after all. I mean, I thought maybe the garbage was cabbage, but I, I you never know. Quinn's going to start looking around for anything that could go along with 792. All right, give me an investigation check. Is Aldoon rousing with all this commotion? Bro, Aldoon is fast asleep. Like, he is, like, there are points where it's like, wow, there's so much noise happening. And then, like, it gets quiet, and then you just hear Aldoon, like, rip a huge snore. Uh, yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't woken up yet. Yeah, no, Sid is getting frustrated now, too. Notices that Aldoon is snoring. It is going to do one of those, like, suck the finger, stick it in the ear kind of thing. Oh, hey, really? great boy! <laughs> Ah, uh, wonder he. Uh, why is your finger in my ear? No, your ear is on my finger again. I don't know why you keep doing that. But Uncle Ichabod is gone. Come look at this. Okay, and he'll take his time to take the blanket off of himself, roll it back up, put it in his bag, and then come over and look at whatever Sid is trying to get him to look at. What did you get? Uh. Quinn. Dirty twenty. You do not see anything that correlates to those numbers. As you approach Aldoon with your passive perception and your six foot height, you notice that in the top of the mantle, underneath the knickknacks, is a music bar. He doesn't think about it. He just like sight whistles the the music. Give me a performance check. All right. Dun, 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 dun. Performance. That's a 23. As you whistle, Sid, the compartment opens. Quinn rushes over because... It's open. There is a piece of parchment. And since Aldoon is taller than all of the people currently around him, he is going to take the parchment away from them and read it. Quinn is it jumping says, up, trying to grab it. Hang on, I'm, let me read it first, jeez. My greatest treasure lies within stoke the devil's flame and walk in okay that's stoking the treasure flames within zippity boppity take stuff that's not what it says is it 
yeah obviously uh at that point he's like scanning the room to see how he can do accomplish these things that he's read you give me an intelligence check yeah zippity boppity don't you know that term it's a six you've got no clue you are enamored by the statue of two gnomes engaging in sexual intercourse and loose thought. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's like definitely like scanning the room, scanning the room, serious thought, serious thought, and then just immediately stops looking. It's like, what the fuck is... Hey, hi, how long has your uncle had that? And he's just going to point to the two gnomes. Quinn's going to try and rip the note out of his hand. Give me a sleight of hand. Ah, dirty 20. I'll allow it. Okay, now she's going to look around for whatever stoke the devil's flame might mean. Give me an insight check, Sid. Did did anybody read it out loud or are they reading it to themselves? That's no, they read it out loud. Oh, okay. I thought he read it to him because he said bippity boppity. Yeah, and he read so, it. Himself. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Read it oh, himself. I'm a, I thought you read it out loud. Okay. So yeah. does Quinn, Quinn read it out loud? No, Quinn's reading it by herself. Okay, give me an intelligence check. It, big money, it, big money, no whammy. Stop. Nope. It, uh, nope. That's the wrong button don't stop doing that intelligence check uh, that's a four you also become enamored noticing that the statue one of the gnomes looks like ichabod do you think this is based on real life uh, probably I, I think it was a gift um what did the note say and since like jumping up like a kid, you know, like, <laughs> what does it say? Quinn's just gonna hold it out behind her. <laughs> okay, so Sid's gonna try to read it. It's in common. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! I know what this is. And he's gonna run over to the the demon on the other side with the flames. And then he's gonna take his paw and like start stroking. <laughs> He's not sure if it's the actual flame or the demon, so he's just going to stroke all of it. Nothing happens. Ah! It says, like, stoke the devil's fire. Yes, Reef? <laughs> I was just wondering if she said... Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, what's what's going on? It said to, to, to stoke the fire, but you know Uncle Ichabod never talks right, so I thought he said stroke the, like, the demon's fire. Merp what? picks up the fireplace poker and okay. and stokes the actual fire. There is a magnetic reaction. The the poker melding to the beautiful carving, and as you pull it back, the carving pulls out with an audible click, and the fireplace moves ever so slightly. A gust of musty air. Dancing to your nostrils as you see a gap. Well, Murph does not like the smell. Ooh. 
Quinn's ear is going to do the the thing that, you know, dog ears do when they hear something in one direction. And then she's going to turn and rush away from the statue. <laughs> okay. I imagine this whole time, like, since Reeve and Raylari walked back in, she's basically been standing in the doorway watching all of them, like, what the hell? If there's, like, a loose, uh, like, sort of, like, throw rug sort of thing over the couch, is there? I'm just gonna ask that. Yeah, sure. Okay, Reeve is gonna see our dude transfixed on the statue, and he's just gonna get a throw rug and throw it over the statue, point at our dude and go, Focus. Look, you've seen as much art as I have. You would understand that something like that is not something you see every day. And we've been here how many times and I'm just now noticing it? I see gnomes hugging all the time. They're very friendly. But we've got a job to do. Uh, I don't remember signing up for a job that says go into somebody's personal stash and steal from them. But, I mean... If that's what we're doing, I guess that's what we're doing. I mean, it's it, it, it's fine. He's my uncle, and he left, and he told Marp to watch the fire or whatever, so, he, like, he, did, he gave he it told, to us. He told Marp, mind fire. I'm minding. We are checking behind to make sure it's yeah. safe. Chase. What on earth is everyone? The... Go ahead. Sorry. What on earth are all of you talking about? Quinn's going to try and scurry behind the fireplace. You will have to definitely move it, as the gap was only an inch wide. As you move it, there will be a second audible click, and golden sconces will alight with blue flame. The walls are white marble, engraved with engravings of the primordial beings. And there in the center is an iron box with a combination lock. Now, I've lived here almost my whole life, and this, no, no. <laughs> it's it's going to walk in, like, astonished. Mer no. Merch slides over to Rilari, and it's like, do you see what happened was, I woke up to see that um, Uncle Ikebak was leaving, and uh, he says to me, shh, shh, and then says, um, they know where I am, mind the fire, and then leaves, and just fucks right the fuck off. So then... I go upstairs and I wake the seed and I tell seed that that we must um, mind the fire that Ikebari's gone and then we check his room and we find a note that is a garbage list, <laughs> but apparently garbage list uh, tells um, how to open thing and and then I'll do the whistle tune and then thing go and then I moke with the poker and now it is open. You're all caught up. I see. And somewhere in all of that, you sent Reeve outside by himself. I did not With know. the idea that someone might be here looking for Ichabod. I, no, I left to his seat. I said nothing of the sort. <laughs> so he didn't write me a poem? It was totally a poem. And since, like, rubbing his face up against the wall, because this is all new walls, none of it smells like him, so he's going to make it all <laughs> smell, at least the part he can reach, like him. No, no, Reeve wants to go see if he could catch Uncle Ichabod. That's all. He has longer legs than I do. As you hit a section of the wall, it depresses. There's an audible click, followed by a 
a black dust filling your face. Please make a con saving throw. Uh, that's a 10. You will take... Five points of damage, but you rolled high enough that you do not become petrified. No, but he's he's sitting there now, like, gagging, dry heaving, you know, that cat hairball kind of sound? Mur Murp moves over to Sid and starts patting Sid on the back. He's okay. He's okay. You're all right. Be all right. And I'm going to give you a healing word. very subtly. Uh, you get nine points back. Thank you. Gwen is going to walk over to the uh, to the chest in the center of the room, but seeing that the wall is apparently trapped, she's going to be keeping an eye on the floor. Give me an investigation check. Eighteen. There are no traps on the floor. Okay. She looks at the combination lock, then. It is a combination lock. Three digits. She pulls out the garbage list. All right. And puts the numbers into the lock. There is a click, and the lock falls away. I need you to make a dexterity saving throw as you hear a... Whoop! From above. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You said saving throw? Yes. Ooh, uh, that's a 23. Your quick reactions, you will only take three points of damage from the blade that falls. Ow. Find. Rilari has basically sat down in a chair and is just watching all of this. Reeve is a bit concerned about something Rilari said about people might be on the way, so he is looking out windows, checking the night in case anyone approaches while this is going on. Aldun's just pacing. Gwen will open the box now that it's unlocked. Opening the box, you will find multiple contents. There is a black velvet bag, approximately eight inches square. There is a letter with the name Obsidian, carefully written in beautiful calligraphy. There is a dusty, well-worn book and a black coin with a, the symbol of scales, weighing scales on both sides. Quinn will take everything out, holding it in her hands, uh, but she'll be like, she'll hold out the, the note because, wait, would Quinn know that Sid is short for obsidian? Yeah, she, she, she would have heard Uncle Ichabod at least once or twice annoyedly say his full name okay <clears throat> she'll hold out the the litter that has his name on it oh 
Uh, so he's going to cut it and open it. All right. Will you read it out loud or to yourself? He's going to read it out loud. My dearest nephew, Obsidian. If you are reading this, my heart is heavy as the weight of the watchful has fallen to you. Within this chest is the compass that leads to Elden Ross Tower. We have kept it safe for centuries. I fear the time to keep it safe is no more, and it must be used to find the tower in hopes to bring down the wall. As the storm is growing and consuming more of this Drazillion, though the elders will not hear it. I have included a coin. Present it to Garrig, the barkeep, and you will have safe stay for the night. My journal may be of service. It may not. You may find it full of the ramblings of an old man. After I write this letter, I am consuming a potion to forget all of this except the location behind the fireplace so that if I am tortured, I will not give it up. Yours in love and in the watchful eye, Ichabod. And this is where we're going to take our break. Ooh. Hey. Wee. Confusion. You bastard. <laughs> We're going to take 10 minutes, get our beverages of choice, our snickety snacks, and handle our business. Don't go anywhere. Let's see what happens when they find, when they return to the land of strangers in a stranger land. Thanks so much for hanging out while we took our break, got our beverages of choice and our snickety snacks. Before we get into the recap and the story, we're going to hand it over to Locke. Hi, gamers. I persist at being Locke Clark, despite everyone else's objections. Uh, and uh, we're going to take a moment and talk to you about our partner in this endeavor, Dubby. Dubby is a uh, energy drink. It comes in powdered form, so you don't have to pay for the shipping weight of water. You mix it yourself at home, and it provides uh, all the caffeine and energy boost you need with none of the crash, none of the jitters. It has no sugar, no maltodextrin, no artificial colors, uh, and is uh, all natural. So uh, go and check it out, and uh, you're going to go to www.w.gg. And you're going to put in offer code Will of the Dice to check out, and you get 10% off. So that way they know you came from us because that makes us look cool and you want us to look cool. So go check out yeah, Dubby. Think... Go ahead. And, and, and get all the caffeine you need with none of the heartbreaking crash at the end. Yeah, I think next week I'm going to change our code to Tear Sent Me. <laughs> when last we left the party, they had spent the night at Uncle Ichabod's. 
Ichabod had absconded in the middle of the night, leaving a message to mind the fireplace to one Merp. The party investigating found that the fireplace had a secret. It was a door to a room, a white marble room with primordial carvings and an iron box that contained supposedly the compass to Eldenron's tower, a journal, a coin that would get them safe stay at the tavern, and a note to Obsidian telling them that it was in their charge now. This is where we continue our story, and we determine, have you been forsaken to the will of the dice? You all are standing about, some within the room, some without. Reeve, you're watching the window, I believe, to see if anyone is approaching. So go ahead and make a perception check. Uh, that's a six. All is clear and right with the world. Um, not hates to be pessimistic, but um, perhaps since Ichabod say they are come for us, we should close up fireplace and take a coin and go to the tavern. Um, yeah, he said safe stay for the night. That makes it sound like it's not safe to stay here. I, I, I just need to get a few things. Oh, you guys can close this, right? And Sid just kind of walks out, like, expecting them to take care of it. It goes up to his room. And Quinn is uh, stashing the coin in her shirt. Okay. She doesn't think the journal or the compass is going to fit. It will not. <laughs> Especially when you're wearing a corset. I mean, um, it's under her shirt, but still. Because that's how corsets work. Would you like Merp to take those or one of them? That's fine. She'll, she's going to go and put them in her bag of holding. Making sure everyone is out of the fireplace, Merp will close the fireplace and remove the poker from the fire and put it back where it goes. Reeve? Suddenly there is a face in the window looking at you. Uh. Oh. We're closed. It will scrunch. Arch an eyebrow, look past you, and turn to mist. Who are you talking to? Uh, there was a face, and then it vanished. There was a face, and then it vanished? Yeah, like, turned to smoke and just left. That doesn't sound good. I agree with Sid. I think we should be leaving, and we should I'm, be very careful on our way. I'm putting my armor on. I will help you put your armor on. Thank you, because sometimes it's a two-person job. Not a problem. <clears throat> yes, um, 
uh, Merp will gear up as well. Rilar will make sure she has all her things. Me too. Should also note that part of gearing up, Merp takes out a from an uh, a long oil cloth and unwraps it and has a very ornate rapier that they strap on. Okay. So just to be clear, Ichabod's not coming back here. Jace, that would be Merp's assessment. Okay. Uh, Reeve will go pick up the poem he left for him and put it in his cloak. Aldun, do you want to take... Um, I don't think Ichabod will miss. Uh, no. The, the art can stay where it is to be both admired and coveted for generations to come. Uh, and, yeah. And he'll go and get his bag after helping Reeve get his armor on and throw his bag over his shoulders and kind of head towards the door. Um, wait, before everyone goes, uh, I'm going to walk up to each person in turn, uh, and I am going to uh, say something in Infernal and touch each of you on the forehead. Uh, I'm giving everyone Long Strider. It increases your movement speed by 10 feet per round. Everyone but Sid gets that as they're upstairs. I well, I'm doing it to each person individually, so as soon as Sid gets back down, it lasts an hour. It's non-concentration, and I can do it at will. Okay. Yeah, so when and... Sid gets back down, I, as, soon, as Sid's coming down the stairs, I just touch Sid on the forehead and say a word in Infernal. And Sid is going to kind of make like a oop, noise at you, and you'll notice that the outfit he has on now, the pattern seems to kind of move as he moves. <clears throat> Okay, everyone readies? Yep. Um, I need marching order, please. Uh, Reeve would insist on going first, as he believes he is the tank, and he has dark vision, so I can see in the night. Quinn would like to be somewhere in the middle, because she's the one with the valuable objects. Aldun will take up the back. Raylari will probably be somewhere in the middle as well because she's squishy. Sid can't make up his mind. Like, he thinks he should be leading, but no, wait, he's too small. And Aldun's in the back, and he obviously he wants to annoy him. So he's going to try to, like, weave his way in and out while we're going. Okay. Stay middle-ish, but, you know, like, I'm up at the front. No, this isn't where I want to be. And then, like, kind of hang back till he's near the back. So he's weaving around the middle positions. Yeah, Merp will be middle front. All right. How do you exit? Perhaps we should go out the back door. Oh, yeah, sure. Is the way around right. the house clear? 
there are missed people about. Well, if you Did miss you them, that's the fine. Uh, hmm. Yes, um, I was about to say, as soon as we all leave the house, Aldun will close the door and use his thieves' tools to lock it. Uh, Quinn was asking because of when Reeve went outside. I would oh, like yeah, to the point front. out that I have no note of the door being closed. I don't think we ever specified when we came back. Uh, yeah, it did not specify. Sorry. So should probably close the front door. Yeah, we'll make sure the house is completely closed up and locked before we leave. Okay. So where are you all heading? How are you heading? Give me information, people. Uh, we're going to try to lock up the house, go out the back door. Aldun's going to lock the back door and then head towards the inn, tavern, whatever it is that he said to go to with the coin. Okay. Yeah, I guess the very... question that I was hoping that you all would answer, but I'm just going to have to ask. Are you trying to be sneaky? Um, I would I say would, cautious. Yeah, yeah so it's slow, but I think Reeves not not a overly sneaky, but more like on guard, like oh. sword ready to draw, constantly looking around him, but probably a slow pace. Quinn would be... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. You go. Ray Larry's going to pull a small blue looks almost like a stone ball or orb from her her pouch and hold it as they're moving and she's going to have her head on a swivel keeping an eye out because she can also see in the dark. Quinn is going to try to be sneaky. Merp is also moving stealthy. So everyone but Reeve give me a stealth check. This moment brought to you by the DMs, a bastard. <laughs> Aldun. Aldun's not trying to be sneaky. Okay. Merp. 17. Quinn. 23. Rilari. 17. Good. 16. I'm sorry? 16. You all silently into the night, heading towards the town, which is a couple hours away. You will hear a great keening, a sorrowful, moanful sound as if someone's very reason for living has been stripped from them. And you will see fire come from the heavens, crashing behind you at what would have been Ichabod's home. Mark thinks now it's time for running. Yeah, I don't think anybody's appreciating that art ever again. Damn, I could have sold it. <laughs> yeah, so, so charging? Double time. Alright. Hut two, hut two, hut two, hut two. 
I need everyone to please give me dexterity checks as you're going through the middle of the night and not everybody has dark vision. And even with dark vision, you're double typing. I will get my quota one way or the other. <laughs> Aldoon. That is a 10. Merp. That is a natural 20 for a 24. Quinn. 17. Ray Laurie. Five. Sid. Nine. And Reeve. Fifteen. The event would be comical were not the situation so dire. You running, Reeve, you hop over a fallen branch that Sid, Raylari, and Aldoon seem to hit at the same time. A ball of bodies going in, barely avoiding Merp and Quinn. Now I'm going to roll to see if anyone notices. I'm imagining Sid trying to do the thing where he's weaving in between everybody and just kind of like knocks Rolari and Eldoon down. <laughs> How very cat of you to go between people's legs like that. <laughs> I take it that you stand up. Mm -hmm. And proceed. Mm -hmm. Get off of me. I want to get off of the ground. Oh, so, sorry. Sorry. Don't want to tell me twice. Y'all will make it to town without molestation from outside forces. You will see the tavern there in the center of town, the largest building. What would you like to do? We enter. Um, or at least Quinn's going to enter. Yep. I'm following everybody else. Mm -hmm. You will see a Goliath cleaning up. We're closed. Quinn's going to reach into her shirt and pull out the coin between two of her fingers. What's that then? She'll walk forward and set it on the bar. They will look at it, look at each of you, hold the coin up, and bite it. Lot gets stranger and stranger. They will pull a key from under the bar and lead you up the, the stairwell. Follow. You will be taken into room 12, the Goliath waiting for you all to enter before they will close and lock the door. They are in the room with you. They will open the closet, the key finding purchase in the wall. A click and the wall falling away to reveal a very lush room. Ooh. That's more like it. Sid's gonna stride in.
Yeah, for the not wasting time. As you all enter, the door is shut and locked behind you. You will see that this room is very interesting indeed. The walls a deep, rich, oaken color. They are pillars on the walls that extend to the ceiling, forming a vaulted ceiling. Each pillar a cloaked figure holding scales. The detraction of the room's welcomeness is that there is only one twin-sized bed. Is there any other furniture? No. No tables, no chairs, no pillows, no nothing? Nope. Is it carpeted? It is not. Oh dear. Well then. Mark Who finds this very strange. Go ahead. Mark finds this very strange. The Quinn's getting locked in here part, or the fact that he stuck all of us in here with one tiny little bed? Jace. Both. Quinn is confidently going to stride over to the bed and put her stuff on top of it, hop on top of it, and just relax. As you put your stuff on it and hop on it, you hear a click, 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 as the bed begins to lower. Um, Murp is going to dash over and, and get on the bed. That very short people, or... It continues think, to lower. I think it's going for a ride. Murp, Murp wants all of you on board. Come. Come, come, on, on bed. Quinn will put her stuff back, like put her pack and stuff back on and stand up so that she's not taking up as much room. Oh, so Wait, much for we... more sleep. Baldoon will go over to the bed. Um, Sid's gonna jump on the end of it if everybody else is getting on. Reeve's gonna try to take up as little space as possible, but he takes up a lot of space and it's just like awkwardly in the middle. When Ray the Larry bed, will try to step on. When the bed becomes level with the floor, it stops. The scales in each of the four statues tilting and a beautiful illusion of the night sky filling the ceiling. There is a click and the sound of a door opening as another room is revealed. This was not what Merp expected. This is elaborate. Someone put a lot of time into this. You have to appreciate the effort. How did they fit all of this in here? This building doesn't look that big from the outside. Is it smaller on the outside? I believe I, it is. I think so. Definitely a grower. So it's gonna like tentatively walk through to the next room. It is a opulent den of cushions and couches and beds. 
hookahs. A platter of meat, cheese, milk, mead, wine, ale. It is dignified, to say the least. Cool. Reef walks in cautiously. It seems a bit too good to be true. Quinn's going to cautiously walk over to a bed and, like, poke her finger on it to see if it'll start moving. Your finger sinks into the lushness of the mattress. She's going to sit on the bed cautiously. It is very comfortable. Ah, okay. Now she's gonna relax. Merp goes over to the table of food um, and is, uh, just to be on the safe side, even though Ichabod said we'd be safe here, uh, purifies food and drink on okay. all of it. Okay. And then pours themselves a glass of wine and makes a plate of meat and cheese and goes and sits in a very cushy chair next to a hookah. Rilari will find whichever bed or pillow or couch is basically furthest from everyone and make herself comfortable. Uh, Reeve puts his sword down and goes like, okay, so it's been a while, but I just have to ask, for those of us who didn't go into the fireplace, can someone tell me exactly what's going on? Because I didn't see anything that was in there, and then we started running, and there was the face disappearing, and people were talking. That's right. There's there's a journal. Did we get the journal? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, um, Uncle Ichabod left the journal. You said you wanted to read that, right? You, I mean, you were I... asking him about his stories? Yes, we should read journal. It might have clues. What else was Did in I... there? Uh, there was also a bag. Coin that got us in here, and then he said something about a compass? That must be what was in bag. Probably. Quinn what? is currently is... using her bag of holding as a pillow. So no one's getting in it. Is it maybe a good idea to check this compass, see which direction it points? Um, sure, um... Oh, I, I didn't get it. Who who got the compass? Queen has compass and journal, yes? Mm-hmm. I'll bring them out, dear. We'd need to see them. Oh, fine. She'll pull both of them out of her, the bag of holding. It is a velvet bag and a well-worn book. Ray Larry will just walk over and hold her hand out. May I see them, please? They're right there. She put them on the bed. Ray Larry will pick them up and go to a table where she can lay them out for everyone to see. She'll carefully open the bag and remove the contents. 
There is a flash of brilliant blue light as the bag is open. Sid will feel pressure on their left wrist as a golden cuff three inches wide adorned with jewels will clasp. A soft red glow on the center ruby. I mean, more my style, definitely. What do you think, Aldun? And he's gonna, like, reach over and try to, like, stick it in his face. Uh, Aldun had made his way over to a hookah and was preparing it and finally had sat down as all of this starts happening. And so now there's just a jewel in his face and he's like, where did you get that? Did it just magically appear on you? Or have you had that, like, the whole time? Yeah, sure. Something like that. Well, it's gaudy and I hate it, but... <laughs> You make it look good. The Sid is going to kind of like purr and turn around and like in a stage whisper be like, that means he totally loves it and he's totally jealous. And then go find a far corner to go curl up in. As you walk away from the journal, you will feel pain. As something <sighs> within pricks your wrist. You will see blood drop to the floor, and I need Rolari to make a check. Which kind? Bloodlust. Oh no. <laughs> you bastard. Thank you. In his defense, this is partially my fault. Twelve. Uh, the DC is 15, if I remember correctly. 16. DC is 16. The I'm blood really lust surges. Your teeth elongate, your claws elongate, your eyes go black like that of a shark. Yeah, you'll, you'll see Rilari start to change, start to lose that, that stiffness, that composure that she always seems to have as her eyes turn to Sid. Wait, are you, what's happening? Low growling sound. What is going on? What what is this? Reeve's gonna move in front of Raylar and just like hold out his hands. Like in a yeah, everything's okay, pose, but also if I need to suddenly grab you and restrain you, I can do that. Sort of pose. Sid is just like frozen in place. Looking at Rolari. <laughs> Quinn's tilting her head. You know, canine head tilt. Tear, would she go after the target in front of her or the source of the smell? The source of the smell. She's going to try and duck around Reeve then. This All right, can I try? Be, this is going to be Rilari's dexterity or acrobatics versus Reeve's athletics. Eighteen. Twenty-one. You grab. Rilari, as they try to duck around you. The sudden jolt, Rilari, will allow you to make a roll to try to compose yourself. Eleven. So she's like, like, he's grabbed her, but she's like in his arms, like still reaching for Sid. Please. Please. Please, please Rilari, calm down. I don't like this. 
Like this, this is like flailing, scratching at the air, trying to reach its head. Merp moves over to Reeve and Rilari and is is looking at Rilari. Um, can I? Is there anything I can roll skill wise to try and get a handle on what I'm seeing? No. No. This is something completely foreign that Merp would be very confused by. Yes. But so, she looks distraught, right? Like Yes. She looks uh, angry. Like, I, I, there is a venomous nature to her. She um, vehemently wants to get to the blood. These, um, I don't know if this will help, but uh, I try. And Merp steps in front of Rilari's face and makes eye contact and and reaches out and quiet now and says something after that in Infernal and touches Rilari on the face. Uh, I'm casting calm emotion. And it will fall away, Rilari. But probably not before she like tries to bite at the hand coming toward her face. Um, <laughs> it passing her calming She'll take a few deep breaths. She now, now she does look a bit distraught. Oh dear. Reeve, could you put me down, please? You are all right. You... Merp is helping. You... Merp is here. You are all right. Okay, I am putting you down, but, and I do trust you, but I will grab you again if you look like you're turning into a demon again, just so you know. I think that is incredibly fair. Okay. Put her down and just take a step back. Still positioned between Raylari and Sid. Uh, Raylari is going to quickly move back to the spot in the corner where she had made her bedding area. Okay. Oh. Merp so... will follow Raylari. <laughs> Go ahead, Sid. Was trying before anybody else moved. <laughs> Um, Sid wanted to cast Gift of Gab. And okay. it's people within five feet of him. Um, he successfully... <coughs> he skillfully reshapes the memory of listeners in the area so that each creature of his choice within five feet of him will forget everything that happened in the last six seconds. And so he's going to tell them, nothing happened here, nothing went wrong, you saw nothing happen with her, there was no change in Rolari. Is there a saving throw for that? Nope. It's just I'm a... gonna roll Was I within 20. was I within five feet? He oh, wasn't yes. he wasn't targeting Rilari. He was targeting Reeve and Marp and if any of the other two were five feet of him. I'm going to roll my beautiful table shaker from Red okay. Panda Dice and Delights. On a eleven or higher, Sid's able to get it off in time. Lower, well, it doesn't happen. That is a seven. What are you talking about? We all saw it. The hookah comes out of his mouth. He takes the hookah pipe out of his mouth and goes, Yeah, uh, can somebody please explain to me what the fuck I just watched? 
I think you're smoking some good shit. I... Merp sits down next to Rolari. Rolari is sitting like with her back to everybody. I do not think it is safe for you to be over here right now. I think I am the one who is most safe, yes. Marp is very safe. Marp is keeping Rilari safe, Jace. I do apologize. I do my best to keep it under control. Perhaps I should return to the other room. I... No, no, no. You should stay. Would it be too pressing to ask what, um... It is? It's just something that happens. The more Merp knows, the more Merp can help. Merp is good at helping. As I said, it is just something that happens. The smell of blood triggers it. Ah. Are you a vampire? I or a shark? A I am not a vampire. It's insulting. Vampire shark? Uh, she's gonna roll her eyes. Sharks don't uh, breathe air. Murph is part cat. Nothing wrong with being part shark. He's okay. I promise you, in many ways, I am more dangerous than a shark. He's good to know. Yeah, um, sharks are nice if you get to know them. That depends on the shark. Rilari is nice when you get to know Jess. I like Ray Larry. Uh, Reeve Just noticing that uh, we all noticed that like the pain happened when Sid moved away from the objects, right? Or perception check to see if you noticed. Twelve? No. In that case, Reeve will get a napkin from the table and go try to clean up some of the blood. Uh, and offer one to Sid if they want a napkin for the blood on them. I got a 21. You noticed. 17 to notice. You noticed. Sid? The pain was far greater than what you let on. Being a lesbian of such, you were able to conceal that. But you felt what can only be described as two bars touching through your arm, connecting each side of the bracelet. Yeah, he still really has it Like, he did the one hand gesture and it didn't work trying to rewrite history, but he still hasn't moved from his spot where the pain hit. My, aren't you an interesting bunch? Oh, my head's going to snap around. cloaked figure will walk through from the other room with the f descending bed. Lowering their hood, it is an elf with silver hair and piercing gray eyes. You are the ones Ichabod named, are you not? That depends. Who the fuck are you? I Ichabod am... didn't name me. 
How did I you know I am that? Silence, please, so that I may respond. I am Callister, one of the watchful, a brother of Ichabod's. Okay, so then... Not in the traditional sense, Obsidian. So that means you kind of know why we're here and what we have, and you're a safe person we can talk to? Wait, this person that I've never met just tells you that they're my uncle's brother and you assume that they're safe? That's why I asked. And if he's not, is he going to be like, yeah, I'm not safe? Um, I'm not safe. Murph I could kill you out, all without thought. Murph would point out that this one knew the name of the group that we were told and got into this room. That is heavy evidence for what they say. Oh, Tyr, I should note that because she had the bag with the compass in hand when the bloodlust struck, she would have just dropped it. So it's either on the table or the floor. Yes, the empty bag falls to the floor. I am, as I said, Callister. I'm one of the watchful. And you are the ones selected by Brother Ichabod to find Elden Ross Tower. A very colorful collective, shall we say. I mean, yeah, we're a little motley, but we can find the tower. I mean, we've got compass. Don't Reeve's really big. Compass? I mean, just this bracelet. The compass. Well, it's the worst compass ever. It doesn't point north, and it, to be frank, it's a bit uncomfortable. You are the one that it was assigned to. So it has made sure that it cannot be removed from you, except in your death. Okay, but I didn't try to remove it. What if we cut off his hand? It will not fall. It will simply move up. Oof. Okay. So it'd be a collar? Anyway, so you're here to help us in some form, I'm assuming. Otherwise, you probably would have killed us. I'm here to get you out of town. Ah. And where will we be going out of town? Your work site, of course. That is where the temple is. That is where the compass shall be activated. And here I thought I was going to finally get out of work. Wait, we have been at the work site. And work site is where temple is whole time? There are multiple temples. That is what the work crews are trying to do is unearth the temples to find a way to stop the storm. They will not find anything at the temples. It is 
fruitless, but they will not listen. We pray the knowledge is in the Tower of Elden Ra. Going to temple leads us to tower? It will activate the compass, and you will follow the compass to the tower, hopefully. Uh, I understand. Then okay. Murph turns to look at the rest of the group, leans over to Rylari, who's next to him, and goes, Murph does not actually have it. Um, I'll explain Sid, it for you later. Sid has a little question. Attached to yes, arm. Sidling. I try to walk away. It <clears throat> was uncomfortable. That um, was it, uh, making its final attachment to you. Hmm. So he's going to try to, like, take a big, haha, step back to see Nothing what happens. happens. Nothing happens. Okay. Um, so are we going to the work site tonight? No, you need your rest, your nourishment. We will be going on the morrow. We have secret passages to smuggle you out of town. And we will cover your trail and make sure none pursue. Our reach is only so long, so there may be others you encounter. Yes, uh, on that, I saw a weird face through the window and it turned to mist and disappeared and then... Ichabod's house blew up when we were leaving. Was that you covering the trail, or is that these other people? That is the other. That is the collective, we will call them. Jace, in these collective, do they have, um, like, um, what, what you call, um, you know, with the, um, like, you guys have the scales and all of that? Do they have, um, you know, a, a mark, a thing? A golden hourglass. Ah, an hourglass case. So, you're sending us on an adventure? Yes. To find this fabled tower of Elden Ra. That is correct. Well, at least it sounds like it won't be boring. <coughs> I do hate to be bored. The danger you face will be quite not boring. I assure you. Of course. There is something I should tell you. The Collective are undead. Oh. They are vampires. They have other servants, but the heads of their council are elder souls that have been damned to walk this earth after their death. Their um, other servants, are they living or undead? It is a mixture. Marp sees. Marp actually sees this time is good. 
I'm more than happy to help. As always, it just it feels a bit weird that Sid doesn't really get a say in it. All she did was all he did was open a bag and now seems for lack of a better word, forced into action. Oh, oh. Sid can reject the, the the compass. And we can be lost forever as it will not be removed from them but they can request reject this quest sid's gonna grab his wrist no it's my destiny and think of the story it'll be that you can tell later well you know aldun will try to publish it first but it obviously we'll just let him do the rough draft <clears throat> Darling, everyone knows that first-hand accounts are so much better. His would simply be that of a witness. I've already thought of the title for it. Four paws and a bracelet. Boo. Wait, Sid's going to start looking around the room and start counting paws. I, I, I don't I think you know how to count. I think this title is a working title. Needs um, needs more work, Chase. So, Callister, was it? Yes. She's going to get up from the bed and walk over. You, you, those who know her can tell she's a little uncomfortable, but she's trying to like put on that air of everything's fine. So, will you be staying here with us tonight, then? No, I have preparations to make. Very well, then. So you'll be coming back for us in the morning? Yes, at dawn. And since there are no windows or doors in this room, I suppose that means you'll be waking us? Yes. Very well, then. You should probably let us get to rest, unless there's more you need to tell us. No, you should rest. Get some sleep. Tomorrow will be difficult. Of course. And uncomfortable. She's going to go back and like, sit on the foot of the bed. Raise their hood. Step into the other room and vanish into the field of stars that is the illusion. And this is where we're taking our second break. Bum, bum, bum. So we're going to take our last 10 minutes, get our beverages of choice, our snickety snacks, and then we'll come back and see if they can make it out of town. Ah! Thanks so much for hanging out. So we have discussed amongst ourselves and believe this is a good point to stop for the night. I'm out of gas and 
I could probably push through for about another 30 minutes, but then the story's going to get sloppy. And I don't want to give you all a sloppy story. So we're going to take this time to remind you of who we are, where you can find us, and get the hell out of here. Hi everyone, this is Kendall the Human. I've been playing Reeve. We are both he, him, and you can find me on the Twitters at Kendall's Dumb. You're muted. muted. Pretty sure she just said ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, I screeched like a banshee. So it was a good thing I was muted. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, I'm Christina. <laughs> the voice of Sid. And you can find me on Twitter at Tiamuskaskula. Hey everybody, I'm Ren Matley, the voice of Ray Laurie. You can find me over on Twitter at Ren underscore Matley. Hi everyone, I'm Alice, the voice of Quinn, both she, her, in case I forgot to say that in the intro earlier. And you can find me on Tumblr and Twitter at Cap and Cuppy Cake. Hi gamers, I continue to be Lot Clark, and tonight I have been Merp, Jace, Merp. And uh, you can find me on the social medias at Lock Unruly, that's Lock with an H. Hello everyone again, it's me, Patrick, a voice of Aldoon Farthweather, and you can find me on Twitter at Peculiar Patrick. And I'm Tyr the DM, the world's okayest DM. And you can find me on that X, baby, at Tyr underscore the underscore DM, and Blue Sky as uh, Tyr the DM. And if you want to reach me directly, email me at Tyr at willofthedice.com. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Timbo the Wizard who raided us. Thanks for the raid. Raids are fucking awesome. Unfortunately, I'm out of gas and we have to call it a raid tonight. So we love you guys. Be good one to another. And remember, love and inclusion are the torches that light a path to a better tomorrow. Come join us and be torchbearers. And until next time, live a life to make yourself proud. We love you guys. <laughs>